Well, welcome to Highlight Church. Let's show love to our first-time guests. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's an honor to have you here. And um, hey, let's dive into uh, week five of Summer Bliss. Um, you know, I was about 10 years old, and uh, my grandma, God bless her soul, she's at home with the Lord now. She, um, she, she offered me some cheesecake, just regular cheesecake, and um, it, di it just didn't, it didn't sound right to me, you know, cheese and cake, just the idea of it as a 10-year-old, because, you know, when you're that, that young, you take things at face value, cheese, cake, and so I said, all right, Grandma, I'll, I'll try some of your cheesecake. There's nothing my grandma has ever made that's failed to please my palate. And, uh, but I tried it, and Judah's doing this new thing now. My, my, my baby boy, he's three years. I do years. Some people say 29 months. Dude, they're two years old. Um, all this. Oh, how old is your kid? They're 110 months. It's five? Is that the right? <laughs> See? So I do years. He's three. And uh, he's doing this new thing now. He does this blah, 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 like blah. And so, like, I, I remember now as I was studying for this, this sermon, like, when I first tasted her cheesecake, it was like blah, blah. I didn't, I didn't like it at all. And so it took about 12 years before I tried cheesecake again. I'd always dodge it on the dessert menu. But, um, I was back home from, from school uh, one summer, and uh, my mom, she said, hey, we're at, we're at Cheesecake Factory, okay? Now, I know you haven't tasted this stuff in years, but, but sweetie, try this out. Like, this is going to change your life. And so over those 12, 13 years, I grew to like red velvet cake by itself. And this red velvet cake was from Publix. Y'all don't know nothing about Publix. Anyone know something about Publix? Oh, okay. All right. I got the wrong crowd. Y'all do know about Publix. I think Publix just bought out Safeway or something. Yeah. So they may be making their way up here soon. Um, so I grew to love red velvet cake. So my mom's like, you have to try this red velvet cheesecake from Cheesecake Factory. I said, all right, I'm a, let's go for it. Give me, give, me, give me the fork. Order it. I'm not paying for it. Let's do it. <laughs> um, won't hurt to try it. And so I took it. Got it. Tasted it. And let me tell you something. I don't know if you've ever read 1 Corinthians 12. Paul said he doesn't know if he was in body or in spirit, but he was, <laughs> he was in heaven and I don't know if I was in the body or if I disappeared from the table or my spirit was, but I was just in heaven. And I loved it. Red velvet cheesecake. Phenomenal. And I, I honestly believe, I know Jesus loves me, but I believe when I get to heaven, there's like a section of like red velvet cheesecake and it has my name on it. And I can just always go back there and, and I, we're going to eat in heaven. It's, it's a fact. I don't know about cheesecake, but that's what I'm hoping for. And, uh, you know, so for me, cheesecake went from being okay to being great. It went from being blah, blah. If I have to, I'll eat it. 
you know, when certain people cook, you have to eat because you want to be kind. If you're anything like me, you fill up before you go to the cookout. And you nibble just in case it's not good, but you're full, so you're good to go. A lot of you are like, when are we going to read the Bible? What's going on? I knew this church was a cult. He's, he's, he's a comedian. Um, welcome to Highlight Church. Um, and so it went from okay to great, and the difference was, of course, the ingredients. The, the ingredients. Now, we all have ingredients. Um, these are just a few that are in our pantry. Anyone have Morton salt in the pantry? Is that too? That's Morton salt. Cool. Now, now, Kyra really got sporty with this one. Himalaya salt. Oh, okay. That's what we really use. This is what I came up from Florida with. But now because we've gotten all sporty, we do Himalayan salt. But it was the ingredients, you know, it's the ingredients that, you know, I think with the normal cheesecake, it, it could have tasted better, but it just didn't. I don't know if my grandma didn't put enough sugar or it, it was too thick. I, I don't know what it was, but it was okay. And so I, I did some research this week on a few common, common baking fails in their corrections. Anyone love to bake? in the house this morning? Good, good. Hopefully this helps you, or maybe you know this. I don't know how to bake, but this is cool research. It says this here, number one, the first fail, I'll do three, um, that the cake has holes and tunnels. Holes and tunnels. They say the correction is to consider the mixing method. So sometimes you can mix with your hand. Other times you have a hand tinsel or mixer. They say, if you're going to use that mixer, you got to do it slowly, not, not too fast. Because like, your hands, you don't go super fast. You, 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 you massage it. So if you're going to use that hand mixer, they say you should go very slowly. It can prevent holes and tunnels if you're a rookie and you're baking. The second fail is that the cake is dry. Blah. Have you ever had some dry cake? It's like, give me some milk or some water. The cake is dry. Yeah, blah. The correction here is to measure the flour properly. So if you have too much flour, it's going to be dry. Too little, you know. This one was great. The cake is tough. It's just, it tastes like rare steak or something. I don't know. It's just, it's not cake. It's steak, you know. So it's not, it doesn't melt in your mouth the way that red velvet cheesecake does. It's tough. The correction here is to mix according to the recipe. So the recipe tells you what to preheat the oven on, when to put what, so salt here, half tablespoon, wet measurements, dry measurements, so on and so forth. The recipe, it's, it's the instruction as to how to apply the ingredients. And so Paul today, he's writing to a church in Philippi that he started 10 years ago. And we're starting chapter 2 today. We're going to go verses 1 through 11. And he's talking to them about unity. Unity within the body. Unity within the church. He's talking to them about not showing up on a Sunday, but actually being open to the community that God has brought you into. He's talking about unity, being open to connecting. It is my prayer that you didn't come to church today and say, hmm, 
you know, we're going to do an hour and a half and I'll be out. You never know who you're sitting next to. You never know who, who's the agent of your next breakthrough, your next promotion, your, your next opportunity. So you should always enter the house of God with a mindset of unity. Not just, I need a blessing, I need a word, or I'm going to check this off my list. I did church this week. But hey, who can I unify with? Who can I collaborate with? So he's going to address unity, and he's also going to address what it takes to be a great church made up of excellent stand-up individuals. I believe that the church of Jesus Christ should be the greatest entity in the earth. I don't believe we should be second class. I don't think that we should walk past trash on the floor and, and just see it because, you know, it's a church and keep going. I think we should pick up trash. I think when no one's watching, we should be on our A game. Uh, I think when we're studying in the library, we should study hard. We should focus. I think when we are in our business dealings, we should seek to be honest and to bless those that we're in business with, not to, not to get, you know, one up over them. God will take care of them. You be like Jesus, and he'll bless you. So he's going to address what it takes to be a great church made up of stand-up individuals. And he's going to address this while in shackles, a man of character. He's in prison, but he's going to teach them how to be great. Anyone want to be great? I don't know about you, but I don't just want to be a, an okay dad. Um, just there for the holidays or there for birthdays. I want to, I want to talk about the tough things, and uh, I want to be there when they hit certain milestones. Uh, I want to leave something in the, in the bank when it's time for me to go home and be with Jesus. I, I don't know. My, my, my kids, my, my boys don't have to be preachers or pastors, but if they want to be, I want to, I want to leave a legacy. You know what I mean? I want to leave something behind. I don't just want to be a dad. I want to be a great dad. I don't just want to be a, a husband. I want, to, I want to be a great husband. I, I want my, my wife to, to step into everything that God has for her and and, and whatever dreams God has for her, I, I want her to feel free and to feel supported and, 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 and for her to know that she had, um, I got your back, babe. Yeah. Right? A, a great individual. It pays to be great. But, but because, you know, you can charge $12 for a great cheesecake, right? Sucky cheesecake, you get on the corner for two, three bucks. Sometimes that stuff is the best, so I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but at any rate, like it pays to be great because greatness is such a rarity in our society. When you, when you have a great business, the, the, the quality of customers you receive. Can, can I just talk to you for a second? If, if your business is not great, you're going to get people that come and we all struggle, but they're going to they're gonna look for a handout. If, if your business is great, you can, you can put a price tag on it. And your customers have to meet that price tag. They won't mind meeting that price tag because your, your business is great. When, when you're great, you attract great things from heaven. When you build, when you grow in your character. When The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. So there's a point in your faith where pastor's not going to be there, 
your, your Wi-Fi is not going to work, so, so the podcast isn't going to be there. The, the Wi-Fi is not going to work, so the, the, you're going to be in a dead zone, so, so the worship songs can't play. You're going to have to come to a place in your faith and in your walk with Jesus where you learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. Encur- build yourself up. Jesus is good. He's always with me. He's always before me. Oh, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you're on the track to greatness. And great people don't have time to waste time with complaining and bickering and moaning and what happened in the past and what my mom said to me and what my dad did to me and what this customer said to me and how that person left my life. When you're in, you become like kind of bulletproof in a sense. I'm not saying you don't have tough days, but, but your goal is greatness. There's more growth. There's more, there's more opportunity. There's more promotion. There's more that God wants to do in my life. We want, to be, we want to be great. And so in order to be great, watch this. I want you to write this down. You have to understand that the right ingredients must be applied in the right order. The right ingredients must be applied in the right order for the recipe to be great. The right ingredients, right order for the recipe to be great and for you to experience God's greatest life for you. Philippians 2, let's do it. Verses 1. Oh, my title is The Ingredients of Greatness. Sorry. The Ingredients of Greatness. Philippians 2, verse 1 says this Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? These are rhetorical questions. Something's going on in Philippi. Paul is in, in a Roman prison. He's hundreds of miles away from the church that he started 10 years ago. He's addressing the issue of disunity in the church. And these are rhetorical questions that don't necessarily demand an answer. But what he is saying is, um, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Sure there is. You're saved. Your sins are forgiven. You're going to heaven. You're, you're rocking with the top dog. And he's saying, because there is encouragement from belonging to Christ, encourage your fellow brothers and sisters. Okay? He says this here, is there any comfort from his love? So in a sense, what he's addressing is you ought to love one another and bring comfort into each other's lives. He says this here, any fellowship together in the spirit. When you are saved, when you believe in Christ, you have the spirit of God living on the inside of you. And Jesus did an entire survey of the Spirit of God. If you read John 14, 15, and 16, the Holy Spirit is a comforter. He's a counselor. He convicts us and he leads us to the right path. He's saying this should be as such in the church. And he goes on to say this in verse 2, Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. I love Highlight Church. Because we have one mind, one vision, and one purpose. And that's so that others would find true life in Jesus Christ. Verse 3, he says this, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of yourselves as better than yourselves. Think of, I'm sorry, others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take interest in others too. This is not going to be a popular, popular message. 
but this may very well be the most powerful message in all the series. And so we're gonna, I'm going to give you two ingredients, then I'm going to give you how you should order them. The first ingredient is this. It's my preference. My preference. And the order of my preference is others before me. Others before me. My preference. My, my preference is something that I take a strong liking to. I remember uh, coming up in undergrad, um, I was on the pre-medicine track. I was, so I was on the way to med school. And um, you, you could catch me studying uh, in Barnes and Nobles, and I had my MCAT books. This is a test that you have to take in order to apply to get into medical school. My books would be stacked for at least a feet, foot and a half. And, uh, but under all of my medical books, if you look closely, there was always a couple magazines. And these magazines were uh, island vacation magazines. And uh, nothing wrong with it, right? But, but, but the idea was, man, if I work hard enough, if I focus in, if I get my degrees, get through my residency, so on and so forth, my payoff one day is going to be vacation time. I'll have enough money to go to all these islands. And you should, I, I wish I had my notes. Like, I wrote down maybe 50 different places that I would go to throughout the course of my medical career until God called me home. So it was work hard enough, I'm going to help some people, I can prescribe some medicines, blase, blase, people would get healed, they'd be treated, but guess what, I'll have just enough money to make sure I'm enjoying my life as well. There's nothing evil about that, it's not evil per se, but the issue was within the motive. It was, I work hard, and I'll get to where I want to go, Right? But my focus was not people. My, my focus was not God. My, my focus was I'm going to use my patience as a means to live the life that I want to live. What the danger in that becomes the physician-patient experience where I can see you for a few minutes, I can diagnose you, I can prescribe medicines, and just get out my face, I just made $1,000 off of you in 10 minutes. And I know it's coming as residual income into my check. I mean, this can go through all spheres of life, though, not just medicine. But this is just, you know, the, the thing. Like I said, nothing wrong, but that, that's where I was. Versus what I really loved during that same time period was simply reading the Bible teaching the Bible, and bringing people to Jesus. Reading it, teaching it, and seeing lives change. The difference in outcome was this. I knew if I worked hard enough on this route, the medicine, I'd get to where I want it to be. On this side, I didn't have a grandfather or a dad or anyone to pass me down a church. No one to say, hey, I'm going to pay for your seminary. Um, I didn't know what church leadership looked like. I didn't even know how to, how to become a pastor. I didn't know about any of that stuff. But, but this is where it was none of me and all for others. This was where I, I, I would lose all control of what I preferred. And it was I'm going to have to die to myself so that other people would 
come to know who Jesus is, essentially make their lives better, make it to heaven, but Lord, what is in it for me? And so I had to adjust my preference. And, and so in order to adjust your, prefer, adjust your preference, it's like an acquired taste. Like a little grandma would have had to, to add a, a dash of salt or something to get me to like cheesecake. But I, I would have had to adjust. You got to, it's an acquired taste. So you got to kind of adjust your, your preference, so on and so forth. Um, um, Paul is talking to uh, 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 people in Philippi. These are Gentiles, non-Jewish. I want to I read something that a, a theologian, his name is Linsky, he said this. He said, ancient Greeks considered lowliness of mind to be a fault, not a virtue. The pagan and secular idea of manhood was self-assertiveness, imposing one's will on others. When anyone stooped to others, he did so only under compulsion, only because he had to, not because he wanted to. Hence, his action was disgraceful. The Christian ethical idea of humility could not be reached by the secular mind. It lacked the spiritual soil. That's what Linsky said. Charles Spurgeon, who was a beast, uh, uh, one of the greatest preachers to ever live in, in the 1800s in England, he would preach to 10,000 people without a microphone. The, he said this, the apostle knew that to create concord, you need to first beget lowliness of mind. Men do not quarrel when their ambitions have come to an end. So the idea is this. I'm coming to church to bless you. You're coming to bless me. I'm living in such a way where I'm concerned about your needs. But you're living in such a way where you're concerned about my needs. Guess what? Every need is met. Wow. Oh, I love this is good preaching. Wow. Wow. But but how do I get my preference? How do I get others before me? Well, number one, I have to accept God's love. I have to accept God's love. First John four says this, and some of us we've come to church, but we have not accepted Jesus. God loves you. Today is your day says this here, God showed how much he loved us by sending his son, his one and only son, into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. This word in the Greek here is agape, love. It means unconditional affection. So no matter how I feel, no matter what you do to me, no matter I'm going to love you, the second or tertiary definition of agape is that I am in your life for your betterment. I, I, as soon as I meet you, I want what's best for you. I don't have to know you. I don't have to know your past. I don't have to know your sin. I don't have to know your mistakes. I don't have to know if you did this or you did that. I just want to simply connect with you for your betterment. That's the love of God. And guess what? God knows it all. But he still loves us. He still accepts us. And he still sent his son to down a cross for us. This is real love. Others before me. And it goes on to say this here. 
Um, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. God is a boss. Not that we loved God, but he loved us. So we weren't even thinking about God, but he sent Jesus anyway. Verse 11, dear friends, since God loved us so much, we surely ought to love each other. Verse 19, let's skip down. We love each other because he loved us first. Why, why is it important for me to accept God's love? in order so that I would adjust my preference, others before me, because I can't give what I have not received. You, you, can, you can come to me and say, hey, hey, Pastor, Josh, whatever you want to call me. Hey, uh, you got 100 bucks? I can go in my pocket, pull out two 20s. You know, say, but I asked for 100. All I have is 40. I can't give what I haven't fully received. But when you've accepted the love of God, you can freely put others before you. And so for me, it was, a, it was, it was I went on a 21-day fast, and I said, God, I want to do medicine. I can even see where I can do medical missions, so on and so forth. But this is where it's at. I know that this is where you're calling me. This. And on day 10, God just gave me peace. And I didn't need to know what, what, the, end, what the risk was going to be. And, and as I follow putting others before me, God is always provide. God will always provide everything you need when you put others before you, when you love others, when you build others up, when you encourage others, when you, when you step into the room and you lift up the environment, God will, you will attract blessings into your life. So, so as, as believers in Christ, we have to stop this. All in it all. No, we got to come in. Others before me. And then in order to adjust my preference, I have to check my motives. I have to check my motives. So why am I in this relationship? <laughs> I, I, I was telling our superheroes, um, uh, when I first gave my life to Christ, serving for kids, they should be in kids. This is adults place uh i was dating two girls and working on a third relationship all at the same time when i first came to jesus the the motive what come on now the motive the motive was not marriage i got teens in here hear me teenage girls and teenage boys the motive was not marriage it, it was it was pleasure so what does that leave that leaves a broken heart because you have a broken young lady who's with a with a broken young man she's trying to find her all in him when he hasn't found himself yet we'll wait we'll wait on the amens we'll wait on the claps we'll wait we'll wait we, we're not going to be a proper churchy church we're going to talk real. Real people at Highlight. I had to check my, why are you in the relationship? Why, why are you seeking this degree? Is it because the pay scale? Or is it because that there are people that, that are in that field of influence that, that you can dedicate your life to changing? And so 
First Timothy says this. Oh, well, don't worry. We'll do this first. Um, Proverbs 11, 24 and 25 says this. No, I'm sorry. Do First Timothy 1, 5. No, that's what I had, but it was. The purpose of my instruction is all that believers, is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. A pure heart. A pure heart. There, there should be a desire to want to see people free and want to see people grow. Why this degree? Why, why this career path? And if I'm in it, I'm in it, but what can I do so that my clients, my patients, my customers, my family, my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, what, what, how can I check my motives and put others before me so that others would be blessed by and through me. I want to see people walk in their God-given potential. I just want to tell you this. You have some of the most selfless leaders here at Highlight Church. More specifically, and we have all kinds of leaders, but I always have to stop and give credit to where credit is due. More specifically, the, the individuals that moved up here with me and my wife. They, they quit jobs. They left family with no promise of being paid. No promise of being paid. They, they're still not being paid to this day, but selfless. Others before them. And they still work hard every single morning. Every single morning to open up a place so that people would worship. That's others before them. And the, the exciting part about it is, is they're in their mid-20s. The exciting, they just, they've given, they've served, they've moved, and, and we put demands on them. You, you can't miss Sundays, you can't miss Christmas, you can't miss Thanksgiving week, and then they just continue to show up, and they don't, they may do it behind my back, I don't care about that because I'm a big boy, but they don't complain in my face because it's others before me. And, and because of it, they're going to be leaders. Don't you want to lead? And then as a church, corporately, 10 cents of every dollar goes to outreach. And, and I love it. We've, we've served so much over the past few months with our family service organization. Last year, our general offering was um, $113,000. Uh, we gave fourteen grand last year. Uh, that was 12% because it's always others before us as a church. We don't want to be just the same church on the corner that you're going to pass by and say, oh, that's a dead church. No, we want, when you come in here, we want you to get the heartbeat of this church, to be involved, to be generous, to bless the cities that you're in, the counties that you're in. No, this is a thriving church. This, this is a church that's living and it's alive. Let's do this. Proverbs eleven twenty four through 25 says this. Give freely and become wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Let's go back here to Philippians 2, verse 5. And it says this. He says, you must have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. 
Watch this, verse 7. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. So we believe in the uh, incarnation of God in Christ. So Christ, the nickname for him is God in a bod. Jesus was God, fully God, and fully human. If you read verse 7, you got to be careful because you'll think that he emptied himself of all of his power. That's not what that means. He didn't empty himself of himself. You, you, you can't empty yourself of yourself. What he did was he laid down, when he was on the earth, he laid down his divine privileges as God. And he had to live in a perfect faith where he trusted God 24-7. So when he was walking on water in Matthew 14, he didn't tap into his God power. He was, he was like human on water, fully faithful. Right? And so what this means is, is it's like a king saying, okay, I take my crown and I lay it down, and I'm going to become a humble servant of all people. So just get that right, because if you read that, that, that can be tricky, and, and we don't want your theology to, to be off. So Jesus didn't become less God, nor did he empty himself. He laid down his divine rights. And it says this here, let's keep reading, verse 8. Uh, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So God left heaven, and he endured the worst death that any human could ever endure. I don't have time today to dive into the crucifixion. We'll do that in November as we get closer. Um, not November, but um, as we get closer to Easter next March. But the crucifixion was embarrassing. It was the worst kind of death that any human could ever experience. Jesus endured this kind of death. Your second ingredient of greatness is this. It's my posture. And the order is this. The order is God above me. It's my posture. It's God above me. Kyrie and I recently joined a gym. And uh, so, like, from time to time, you have the, the honor. and Check on me in two hours to see if I'm alive. From time to time, you have the honor and the privilege of working out with your spouse. And um, so, I mean, she, she loves cycling. So then we, we do weight training when she's done with that. And um, I'm, I'm always telling her, babe, like, put down the 100-pound dumbbell and pick up the 5-pound b- because it's all about form. Right now, we haven't been in the gym for seven years. There's no, no one's trying to get buff. Anyone remember Johnny Bravo? I mean, that dude had everything here but nothing here. Like, we want to be even down all proportions, right? So I'm like, babe, just do it. And I don't know if she's here, but we were on a moves. Um, she's Herbalife. She, she's awesome. She, this girl's killing it. And so she has her videos on Instagram doing her thing, jumping around. And there's one where a is like this with a, a straight bar. And, she's, and so Kyra sees that. She said, babe, that's, that's a five-pound bar. I said, exactly. A knows what she's doing. She's, she's been doing it for years, and she's just killing it. You know, because the more reps, you can, you can get lean. You can build that thing out. So I always tell her about posture because if your posture is not right, you, you stand the chance of, of being injured. Oh, yeah. That's good. And you'll never develop fully. Right. 
and, 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 and I just I love doing some reading on certain things like this, and it says this here, um, benefits of great posture during exercise, better lung capacity, decreased pain, improved performance, relaxation, increased core stability. My posture, God, God above me, God, God above me, decreased pain, improved performance, relaxation, increased core stability, God above me. First Timothy 4.8 says this, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and the life to come. My posture, my, my po godliness, God above me in, in everything. I, I got a major decision to make. Man, I, I need to go to prayer. I need to seek out spiritual counsel. I know this word is tough in our, in our culture, in our generation. My spiritual authority, who is your pastor? We have light group leaders here that, that you can go to and ask, like, I got a situation. What do you think about this? My posture, God above me, I'm praying. Um, what, does, what does the word of God have to say about it? Just seeking it diligently. Why, why do I have this face? But, but it's because, you know, you, you got to be concerned. You got to be in it. Wow, I just... John, John 1, I don't know, I wrote something in my Bible that says that Jesus has revealed God to us. That's just something that if, if I want to know the character of God and how God is and who God is, I can, I can flip to my Bible and while I can read Jesus and that's who God is. I got another thing right here. It says, God knows where you are in the present. And I have something here. God knows where you can go. That's potential. Okay, all right. Tomorrow is greater than your yesterday. Wow, just, okay, well, all right, let me keep, let me stay encouraged then. You know, just, what does God have to say about it? What is, what is God coming to church? Not, not, no spiritual diabetes, but we're going to receive the word of God and we're going to serve. We're going to eat and we're going to serve. We're going to eat and we're going to serve. We're going to eat and we're going to serve. Je Jesus did what? He fed them and the disciples served. He, he taught them and the disciples applied. He taught them and they applied. He taught them and they invited. He taught them and they were bold. He said, Peter, come walk on water. Peter walked on water. Right? It, it's God above me. Hey, Jesus, can I come? Is that you? You're walking on water. Can I come? Jesus says, come. All right, so your word is above my word. I'm going to come. And when I come, I step out on the impossible. It's, it's God above me. It's, it's God above my thoughts. It's God above my opinions. It's God above my ideas. And I'm only going to find that in the word, in the word. Acts 19, they believed and they confessed sinful practices. And they got healed. So I believe in Jesus, I confess my sin, and I receive a new life of healing. Posturing, God, God above me. And how, how do we do this? Well, you have to consider his word to be greater than my word. His word is greater than my word. I have an opinion about it. But what's God's word on it? 
I have a thought, but what does God think? I have a, I have a job opportunity, but is this going to bring me closer to Jesus or further from him? I've got to work on Sunday mornings. I, I discern the voice of God in that. It's going to afford me to make 10 more dollars by the end of the year. I discern the voice of God in that. God's posture, God over me. God over me. God over me. And it says this here in Psalm 119, verses 1 through 2. It says this, joyful, ooh, Lord, joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. The payoff is joy. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all of their hearts. Joyful. You want to have joy? Stand on his word. You want to have joy? Test his word. For years. It, it kills me pastoring. It breaks my heart, really. People say, yeah, I tried the church thing three weeks. It's like, you might want to go for like three years. You didn't test. Three weeks isn't even a season. At least three months. Test it. I don't know. It's hard to let him go. It's hard to let her go. Test it. I don't know. It's, it's, it, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have the money to tithe right now. Test it. I can't budget. Test it. Joyful. Because the byproduct is joy. I have a word, but does it line up with his word? I have a way. But does it line up with his way? Jesus, Jesus said, I don't do anything outside of what I see the Father doing. And it led him to a cross. But the great part about him being led to a cross is Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 or 9. Verse 9. Pull that up for us. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Paul is prophesying about the final judgment. Hopefully, that'll be your second time bowing, not your first. God elevated him. Let's go here. Is that verse 11? Let's do verse 11. In every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, my preference, others before me, my posture, God above me, ducky, he has his preference right. 
He had his posture right. He caught it at the age of 35, 40. He adjusted it, 15, 10. He got his posture and his preference right. And oftentimes in the Bible, the Spirit of God is represented by water. Over. And what God tends to do when you get your preference and your posture right and you keep it right, you keep it right. He pours out his spirit. He pours out his power. Yeah, yeah, they put old Ducky in the grave. They crucified him. They spat on him. They gave him a crown of thorns. But God didn't stop pouring out his spirit. Oh. Come on, Ducky. Yup. Yup. Oh. He just, he, God just poured out his spirit. And I love, I love verse 9. It says, and God, God elevated him and gave him the name above every other name. When I get my preference right, when I get my posture right, and when I keep it there, God takes care of my placement. That's God promoting me in every season. That's God blessing me in every season. That's God connecting me in every season. God, God wants to, to bless you and to elevate you and, 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 to, and to fulfill you. And he wants to use you. He wants to liberate you. There's a calling. There's a purpose. But, but, but he's only going to trust the people that get the preference and the posture right. If I get my preference, others before me, and my posture, God above me, I'll always get my placement. I'll never miss a season of promotion. I'll never miss a season of opportunity. I'll never miss a, a relationship that God has sent my way. I'll never miss my money. I'll never miss any of it. God, God will deal with my placement when I get my preference and my posture right. Let's give the word of God a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, we're going to pray. The music will be playing very soon. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Father, we love you this morning, and we give you all the honor and the glory. You're so good. Lord, thank you for this word of conviction, uh, but we know that your conviction draws us closer to you. It doesn't take us further from you. Uh, God, we ask for power and strength. We ask for godly perspective to get our preference in order and to get our posture in order. God, we want to put others before us so that we can be a blessing. God, we want you above us because we don't want to miss the seasons of blessing. So Jesus, I pray that you would bless every individual in this church this morning. I thank you for them. With every head bowed, maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ. 
I want to give you this opportunity this morning. God loves you. He died on a cross for you. Jesus lived a sinless life. And it is by faith that we are saved. There are no works. You don't have to come to God a certain way. You can come to God as you are. God loves you. And he's calling you home. Hallelujah. On the count of three, I'm just going to have you raise your hand high. Every head bowed. Let's pray. Let's intercede for our future brothers and sisters in the Lord. Maybe this is your first time coming to Jesus. Maybe you're coming back because you're backslidden. We welcome you back home. And on the count of three, you just raise that hand high. And we're going to pray together as a church. Don't let the devil talk you out of this. One. Two. Two. Three. Raise it high. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You can put those hands down. Praise the Lord. Come on, church. Let's celebrate. God bless you. 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 Hey, church, let's pray. Please repeat this after me. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died on the cross for my sins. I turn from my sin. I give you my life. Fill my heart with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's celebrate, church. We love you. God bless you.